Thursday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a post-game edition. We're going to talk about kind of a weird, heartbreaking, difficult to digest Islanders matchup. But first, before we talk about this game, should point out that the reason, part of the reason this is delayed is because I had a little, little foray, little excursion into Southern California this past weekend. Jake thought I was going somewhere else with that. I thought, yeah, I thought you were going somewhere. I was, I, I am not, I am not going that, to, I'm not going to out you. And that's that we, that, that we will leave for the discord. We will leave for the discord, but yeah, saw some great folks on Friday at docent in San Juan. Saw Jake, saw Luke, saw everybody. It was a, it was a great time. I, I'm yeah. very happy. Yeah. We, we, uh, we played a little hockey in my backyard, AKA yep. moving a, a, or hitting lemons with hockey sticks as Luke was chasing us. And Luke just throwing his stick away every time you hand it to and him. And try, trying to grab the lemons and throw them at us. <laughs> as a 16-month-old does. <laughs> yeah, he did not show much interest in uh, in the actual game itself. He was more interested eh, in, throw, in throwing for, stuff. For a 16-month-old, being able to realize a stick and hit a lemon a couple times, you know, I'll take yeah. it. He had He had his moments. He got his reps in. Yeah, exactly. Getting but the yeah. shots in. At, yeah. at 16 months, what? They recommend maybe one or two hockey shots a day? It's as you get to, like, the three years that you start, three, four, five years that needs to get into the hundreds, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Whatever whatever Connor Bedard did. Yeah, um, exactly. But, yeah, but big shout-out to everyone who showed up on Friday. That was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we'll do more of those in the future. Yeah, maybe next time that you're in town, whenever that ends up happening, I don't, we'll do I, it again. I, I will say these, these road trips where... Actually, your your the the part of the road trip where I was in your midst was probably the most restful because once you get into the couch surfing, it gets a uh, gets a little tiring, makes you not makes you reconsider the the method to the madness. But also shout out to Derek. I saw Derek at the and now Jake's getting yelled at in the background, but I saw Derek at Ducks practice on Saturday. I got to go to a Ducks practice, ran into Brian Hayward, got a picture with Brian Hayward. That was pretty amazing. But all in all, just a, a fun little weekend. And uh, I will say that watching these guys in person, watching them work on drills, seeing what the instruction is from Greg Cronin, that was a pretty pretty cool experience to, to just see all that. And also got to see Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers skate in front yeah, of my very I, eyes. I, I was about to say, you were one of the very first people, you and Derek, to, to see Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale back in action during practice, not in... Uh, no contact, no contact jerseys in a full practice. Granted, not taking regular line rushes with any line, but how yeah. do they look to you? Because I mean that that's part of the conversation we're going to have is they've traveled with the team. So how do they look to you when you watch them during practice? I mean, you watch them play and you just you wonder if they're injured at all, like like why they're not playing. So they're definitely they're definitely at that stage where it must be a matter of of days of hours. Like they I. I was very convinced that one of them was going to play tonight just based on seeing them on Sunday or sorry, on Saturday. And I guess the Ducks are just playing it as safe as possible. Who knows what the true reasoning is there? But yeah, Trevor Zegers, I thought looked really good. A lot of energy, a lot of, you know, even in, in drills where he, because he, he was basically having to play defenseman because he wasn't a part of the regular lines. And mm-hmm. even defending one-on-one rushes, I thought that he was really competing. You can tell he just wants to be out there and he wants to be making a difference. And then with Jamie Drysdale, watching him go through defensive or defenseman drills where, you know, they're they're working on puck pickups along the wall, down low, along the end boards in the corners. 
the skating is is there. He looks as explosive, as quick, as agile as as I've seen him. And so both of them look ready to go. I really just at this point it must be just a matter of they have to pass some sort of physical test. Who knows? Like I, yeah. I was I was very convinced that one of them was gonna play tonight, so they must be very close. Well, and it also seems like with the way that Greg Cronin has kind of talked about the injuries that there isn't necessarily a timetable for their return, that it kind of seems like it's muscular. It's not something that really has a, a set timeline, right? And that's pure speculation on, on my end with it being muscular. But um, with it not having a set timeline and it 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 kind of being in that realm, I feel like it's something where they, they're going to want to test it, push it in practices, see that type of stuff, see how the body responds. Because the body, it, they may look great in that practice, but the body's not going to respond well the next day. And so I think putting them through that type of practice where they look good is a good first step and a good sign. Them going on this road trip after that is also a fantastic sign because if they would have gone through that practice and had negative responses, they would not be on this trip right now. One thing that's kind of interesting is that on Saturday, Trevor Zegers was wearing a black jersey. And today at the morning skate, he was wearing a red no contact jersey. Uh, it wasn't no contact. Oh, so it was just like extras. Correct. Because Ross Johnston was technically uh, that actually that's the interesting thing in line rush is not today. It wasn't today. It was yesterday when when those pictures came out. Um, but Ross Johnson was technically wearing a red jersey also. And I think Bo Grew had a white okay. jersey on. Okay. So Bo, Bo Grew is skating with then. the fourth line and there must have been like a late change to get Ross Johnson in uh, against the Islanders compared to Bo Grew. Um, but yeah, so you could see, I don't think red was no contact. I think yellow, I think is no contact yeah. for, for how they've been doing it. Or actually, no, it's not because on Saturday they had a regular line all wearing yellow. Okay. So well, I don't know. Regardless, red, red was not no contact because Ross Johnston was wearing that Jersey also. Yeah. It, well, it was, it was also confusing because Jamie Drysdale was still wearing a black Jersey. So Def- all, all defensemen wear black jerseys. No, I know, but they were both wearing black oh, on Saturday and not one it, of them has it. changed colors. Now you understand. But yeah, mm-hmm. so anyway, all that aside, they look very close. They look good. They look, you know, you can tell that there's a there's a burst, there's an explosiveness in their step. And so I think that whatever the nature of the actual injury was, we'll never we might never know, but no. it looks like it's resolving itself and that it, that their their recovery is coming along and hopefully fingers crossed they will play in the next game, but it se- it seems like it's just a matter of a few games here at this point for the come. Yeah, and, and before we get into the game, I think one thing to look keep an eye out for and something that obviously I will be looking out for and we'll tweet about Derek same thing, you probably same thing. But there's going to have to be ro- have to be roster moves made when these guys get activated because uh um Robert Hag was called up to the team uh just to be a seventh defenseman uh, yep. during while Jamie Drysdale was not cleared to play yet or not in the not off IR, however you want to word it. So Robert Hag is going to have to be sent down before Jamie Drysdale can jump into the lineup because they're currently at 23 forwards or uh, 23 uh, players on their team. Um, or Mason McTavish will have to go on IR because he is not on IR currently for one for Trevor Zegers to come in. Like the, Essentially, a roster move is going to have to happen for one of Zegers or Drysdale to jump into the lineup. Mason McTavish could hop in without any sort of roster move, anything like that. So just something like to keep an eye on for. that's the likeliest option is that they just IR McTavish? Uh, I think if Drysdale comes back, I think they'll send down Hag. I mean, it's a whole lot of things, right? Because they took Hag on this road trip. 
I would imagine they probably want to keep him there as long as they can. So probably that that's the simplest solution is do IR for McTavish and do it retroactive to win. You don't, you don't have to send anyone back across the country. Correct. That way. Yeah. Correct. But I mean, at some point someone's going to have to get sent back across the country because that only gets one guy in the lineup. If all three get activated, you have to get three guys or you have to get two guys off your, your roster then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something's going to have to move at some point, whether it's on this road trip or, or afterwards, someone's, you know, we don't know. We don't really know how close McTavish is. He just started skating again. He wasn't skating over the weekend. He was skating yesterday, though, so we don't know where he's at in his recovery. So it still remains a bit up in the air with McTavish. But I think that Drysdale and Zegras, like it, it's a matter of days. Like it, it can't be any closer than it is right now. No. I think no. So so that's very encouraging. That is very very encouraging because watching this team, there is clearly a need. For these players to to be back in the lineup for sure and I, and I think you could say that with almost any team that's missing two of their or their top two centers right like yeah i i don't think that that's necessarily going to be exclusive to this ducks team needing mctavish and zegris back drysdale is a bit more of an unknown just because we haven't necessarily seen what he is but he's probably a top four defenseman on this team and so if you take out the top two centers and a top four d-man from any roster like you're gonna see the negative impacts and so i think while this game and we'll get into it now but while this game is heartbreaking from that perspective, I think there are positive takeaways to be had. And I know maybe I sound like a, a beaten, uh, a broken drum at this point in time, or I'm being the same drum or whatever the saying would be. Um, but this team is playing fine enough hockey. And so when you add in these guys back into the lineup, the results are going to start to follow. They're just kind of in this crappy little rut right now. And eventually if they continue to play the way they are with the influx of the talent that's coming in, they will get out of this rut. And as you build on that and kind of add to that, there's going to be a whole lot more there. I think the only, so I agree with you that any team, if you lose two top mm-hmm. six forwards and a top four defenseman, you're going to struggle. That is hundred percent true. Yep. I think, I think what this, what these injuries, particularly with the forwards have exposed though, is that the ducks don't really have depth forwards that, that have much offensive touch to them. Right. That's so, fair. so if you look at the way they've built their bottom six tonight, it was McGinn, Carrick, Johnson, Jones, Henrique, and Silverberg, it's like I understand that the the Carrick line has been playing well as of late, and you know Henrik scored tonight, but no one's gonna look at those six guys and think maybe there's a guy in there that can give you a little offensive pop while you're missing a Zegers, while you're missing a McTavish. Like Brett Leeson is is playing in the top six right now, and maybe he is that guy. But after him, there's just the way they've built this roster. There's a very clear delineation between we're gonna have our our star offensive guys up top and then the bottom six is kind of crowded with with grinders and and that's not necessarily a bad thing but in a situation like this it just comes to light a little bit more yeah and, and i think i mean the carrick line has been good when brett leeson has been on that line i think when he comes off that line they do suffer i think ross johnson had a nice chance tonight but there were a couple different plays specifically where brock McGain got in on the four check and makes a nice little chip play off the boards as he gets in and, and gets below the goal line. And Ross Johnson just reads it and go reads it horrendously and goes the wrong way. And the play kind of dies in the offensive zone as a result of that, him not reading that correctly. Well, and so honestly, I, 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 Oh, sorry. Finish the, the thought. No. And, and so I was going to say, while I get, I agree with what you're saying. When you bring those guys back in, I think having a fourth line of Leeson Carrick McGinn is a really good fourth line actually to have, because I think, I think you mentioned it, but Leeson is, a quality player. And so he goes lower in the lineup where he's more uh, suited for. Um, I mean, I'm kind of wondering with Brett Leeson, 
what yeah. you do when the guys come back because every line he goes on seems to have an uptick in their play. Like he mm-hmm. is so active in all three zones. He creates offense off the rush, off the cycle. He disrupts plays for the opposition in the neutral zone. Like he, and of course he's got really good size. You know, you think he skates really well. Like he, he's make he's going to make it so that there's going to be some tricky decisions because I think he legitimately improves whatever line he's on right now. Like that, that Carrick line, like you said, without him. And of course, Johnston is a big downgrade from, from Leeson, but man, like he just adds that just such a different element. So it's going to be fascinating because he might be the biggest kind of like surprise for me this season, just in terms of like a guy really didn't expect to take a step. Yep. So he's, he played and he played well tonight. Yep. Yep. He, he definitely did. But yeah, jumping to this game, the first period was rough. Yeah. The first period was brutal. I, I tweeted it. I X'd it. I whatever, whatever it, but I thought that that was the worst period that I've seen them play this season. Not necessarily in terms of the chances, the amount of chances given up or the goals scored. Cause it was zero, zero after one, although there was a, there was an overturned goal, but they just played with so like, just poor energy on both sides, both sides yep. of the puck, like really bad turnovers, like really uncharacteristic mistakes, really bad, just kind of puck management, a lot of turnovers in all three zones and just not creating any offense. Like how many shots do they have after the first it might have been like three? Uh, like, they, they had it five on five or I, they had seven shot attempts. Okay. But how many shots, how many shots uh, got to the goal? Oh, sorry. Uh, like I think it was two or three. I think you're spot on. Yeah, there. two or th- two or three shots, and it's just like they just played such a lackluster brand of hockey. And like the Islanders are not, the two. Islanders are being told huh? two and being told two in the Twitch chat and yeah. YouTube yeah. chat. Two or three, but it sounds like it's two. The thing here is that the Islanders are not the suffocating Islanders of years past. Like they are not a good defensive team. No, nope. if you look if you look at the metrics, like they are bottom third in allowing XG per hour, expected goals per hour. They're better. They're actually top five in XGF, expected goals four per 60 at five on five, which I had no clue about. But it wasn't because of anything that, to me at least, it wasn't really because of anything that the Islanders were doing to them in the first period. It was just the Ducks kind of making a lot of dumb decisions and missing assignments. And it luckily, it didn't come back to bite them. Honestly, surviving that first period is what gave them a chance to, yeah. to win this game. Yeah, they, they were not good in that first period. It felt like every single time they got the puck in their own zone or even got it out, it was just turning it over for the, the Islanders to come back. I guess if you want to have any sort of positive from that is that they somewhat limited the Islanders in terms of getting any really high-quality front net slot shots. Well, they and kept they, they kind of they did allow a big one, but it didn't count. <laughs> sure, yes, fair. <laughs> like, that uh, happened. And, and, also, and also, I should say that on that goal, that didn't count. Jakob Silverberg just completely lost his man on the weak side. And I just, there were, there were a number of veterans tonight where I was like, they're just making boneheaded mental mistakes that you would think a veteran oh, yeah. wouldn't make. I mean, Jakob Silverberg in the third period, like taking yeah. a penalty when the he penalty. took it. Like it was just, even though they killed that, like I know that's jumping ahead a little bit, but that's two minutes that comes off the clock when the ducks could have been attacking at that point in time to to try to get the game winner because they had just given up the game tying goal so it's like yeah that that type of uh bad play it, it it will sink you i think silverberg had a couple bad turnovers i think overall he had a fine enough game but those I types of mental what those did he type add? of mental uh, 
what did he add? Like he, I think he was a negative tonight. I don't okay. think he added anything to this game. That's just I my think opinion. he. I think he did did well. Uh, did uh, a good enough job transitioning the puck, getting into the offensive zone when he needed to. I don't think he's ever going to be a player that is going to drive offense in a significant manner, but I think he did a good enough job along the boards. I think he made a couple mental errors. That front net coverage was a bad one. The the penalty was another one. It's just when you when you have both Silverberg and Johnston on the wing in your bottom six, like you're just giving up so much skating ability, to put it kindly. And so, I don't know. I think that maybe when Johnston is in, you'd like to see Guru get in. But That's fair. I will, I will say that Silverberg has had some good games this season, so this was just a particularly bad one. Uh, one guy I want to highlight from the first period, though, is John Gibson. Yeah. I mean, make, making some very difficult saves. Yep. You know, getting across his net. I mean, even on the goal that was disallowed, he made a really great save at first off of that Silverberg blown assignment and then, you know, the whole scramble that results after that. But I thought that this was a solid John Gibson game. And I know that might that might be a controversial take because of the fourth goal, but I thought that he gave them a chance to to win this game. Yeah, I, I think the fourth goal probably wasn't the best goal from him, but I think they're not in this game if he doesn't hold steady in the first period. So it's kind of that that type of game that comes in waves. If if he's not as good as he is in the first period, the Ducks are probably buried a lo- little bit more in this game than they would have been to have a chance to come back. It would have been yeah. the typical one or two nothing down. But then again, you need saves in those periods, and that was granted a perfect shot at the end of the game. Yeah. We're, we're jumping ahead here, but... Yeah. You'd like to see him try to be able to be in a bit of better spot, get his shoulder up there to try to make that save from that type of angle. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to yep. that. But moving on to the second period as Jake's phone sparkles. I just turned turned it on silent. That was a ring. <laughs> but uh, yeah, first so second period, Ducks give up the first goal. Jackson Lacombe turnover. Um, that wasn't great. And then, you know, I felt like that was kind of a culmination of just everything that happened in the first period, the ducks finally, it came back to bite them. And I, I can't really fault Jackson Lacombe on that play because, you know, he's trying to make a play off his backhand, you know, skating out of the, of the D zone. And maybe he should have bumped it back to camp Fowler. But I thought that once again, this kind of shows why him playing on that, on that right side as a left-handed shot is just not, it's just not working out for him. Yeah, and also, a, and also uh, Palmieri getting the goal. So yep, Kyle Palmieri go. coming back to haunt the Ducks. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I I think him on his backhand just has not resulted in good plays overall. I think we even saw it later in the game. They made the change actually uh, of putting well, Jackson they, Lacombe. They 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 switched around a lot, like on faceoffs too. It was strange. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, but I I think. This is not going to be going on for much longer. I think this experiment is yeah. going to end. It, that could have been it. That could that might have been like, the last it, game if, of it. I think if Jamie Drysdale comes back, like Jackson Lacombe, Vakaninen's coming out or Lacombe's coming out. Like that. That's just the reality. Is you either play Vakaninen yeah. or you play Lacombe. Yeah, and also on that play, like another thing that I thought about is that yes, he could probably make the more conservative play. But part of what makes Jackson Lacombe great is that he's so mobile and he's always looking to push the play. Well, and and so, you know, by having him in these tough spots, are you going to coach some of that out of him? So I, 
I just don't love it at all. Like the entire thing just is icky. <laughs> I also think just as a modern day defenseman, you don't want them making that safe play because you need your defenseman to help you create offense. If you're not, then you leave yourself open to have essentially what happened in yeah. the first period. If you're continually making the conservative play, you're leaving the puck open for some 50, 50 battles along the board that you're just not going to win all of them. And if you're in a rut where you're not winning any of them, you're going to be hemmed in your own zone consistently. And so while some people might not like it and might not like turnovers like that, I'll take a guy doing that. If he's trying to make a play to, to create offense and transition going the other way, obviously it can't just be like a blind pass through the neutral zone or things like that, but, or through the slot, but I, I will take guys taking chances and even if they get burned for it over guys just simply making off the glass plays because off yeah. the glass plays are what, I mean, going back to years past, what Derek Grant was good at. And that led to the Ducks continually getting hemmed in and outchanced, outshot, outscored on when he was on the ice. So um, I, I don't think you want this out of his game necessarily. No. And I think that another thing that we underrate about playing on your off wing is that it's not so much about when you have the puck making plays facing facing towards you know the other zone like facing north mm -hmm. but it's picking up the puck off your backhand constantly off the wall yeah. having to having to get on the wall have your back to the play and have to fit like that's one of the worst positions in hockey to be in is constantly yep. fishing it out with your backhand and it's just like well, yeah he'll 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 have gotten a lot of reps mm -hmm. practicing that one skill but it's like is it something that you want him working on constantly? And it's so. going to take about a half second longer for him to pull the puck off the boards off his backhand, which then gets a guy on him and makes it more likely that the pass that he's about to make that might just be a little bit risky has less likelihood of actually connecting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's not ideal. And I think that they understand that. And this is just kind of a product of circumstance. Yep. Like there isn't really a great fix for this. So no, I mean, <sighs> I'll like, say this. Put I don't, Fowler I don't, on the right side. Like, yeah, I, I was like, I, I don't understand. that. That's one thing that they mentioned at, in the broadcast that uh, they switched sides, all that type, type of stuff. And because it wasn't working, I'm just like, it hasn't worked. I don't know. I, I think that's a major critique you can have of Greg Cronin at this point in time is why did you not put Fowler on the right side over Jackson Lacombe? Because yeah. it seems like Fowler has played the right side. It's had varying results here and there. Um but I would much rather have a guy that's in his 30s, that has been in the NHL, been around, that can understand what's the right play to make there, going off his backhand, instead of a rookie who's trying to figure it out as he goes in the NHL and have the rookie more being put in the spot to succeed. Because Cam Fowler, for all of the detractors, I think he's been fine this season. Yeah, and, he's, just, and, he's just been fine enough. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's not been bad. He's not been great. This is just kind of who he is. And so I think he's a player that would be much more suited to be put in that position than a Jackson Lacombe. Yep. Yep. And speaking of Lacombe, you know, so after that, I thought that the Ducks, not fully, but started to show a little life. Um, the Carlson the Carlson line got a good kind of cycle shift, just controlling play down low in the Islanders zone. But then maybe the best scoring chance of the game for the Ducks, and this one didn't even result in the shot on net, but Jackson Lacombe driving down the left wing, by the mm -hmm. way, left wing, but taking it all the way from his end, all the way down, and then hitting a perfect cross-ice feed, going really wide all the way to, to Ryan Strom, who was driving the net, and Strom just, you know, airmails it over the net, but that was probably their best, just like quality look of the game, I would say. Yeah, and, so, and Lacombe... And on that play, you see Lacombe's instincts. Yeah. He jumps up in the play, has a guy on his hip, but creates separation and enters the zone, creates a three-on-two rush, and then makes a really nice pass to Ryan Strom. 
Yep. And then after that, unfortunately, the Islanders would double their lead two to nothing. Mm-hmm. This was just another weird transition play where the Ducks just make a bad read and it costs them a goal, basically. Like, it was so interesting because you see the Islanders bring it down the right wing and that middle forward just basically took Labushkin out of the play. Like, he basically set a pick. So by the time the puck was coming across to the left to, to Sezikis, I think it was, whoever number 53 is, um, it was yeah, a it was wide Zizekas. open... It was a wide open lane because Labushkin got taken out of the play. And that's just like a, I don't think that should be a legal play, but I don't think it actually is a legal play, but they allow it all the time, that, yeah. that middle lane drive. But the issue in that play is that Brett Leeson went to go pressure the puck carrier who was already covered by Minchikov. So that left Zizekas all alone on the other side. Yeah, and, and I think you're spot on there. I think the difference between that and just your standard center lane drive is your standard center lane drive doesn't drive straight through the chest yeah. of the defenseman. <laughs> yeah, I like, think he literally I, like put his arms up like like a cross-checking motion like, almost. Like a, a straight center lane drive more so has a defenseman on your hip and you're taking them with you or they're defending you to try to keep you from being able to get to a rebound and tying up your stick. That was him just straight up interfering with him. I, yeah. I don't think there's any other way to put it. And yeah, I mean... The refs weren't great in this game. I, I think they missed some calls here and there. And yeah, and I would agree. The Jones, that, ask, Max, ask Max Jones about it. <laughs> Max Jones, ask yeah. Leo Carlson. Like it, it is what it is. Like yeah. the duck, the Ducks still need to fix their discipline issue. The penalties that they took were were penalties, but there were a decent amount of missed ones for them. And th- this just goes to that. And so, yes, Leeson should play that better. He shouldn't necessarily jump there in that that position. Labushkin should be able to be able to uh, get out to Sezikis at that point. But if he does that, that could leave. Well, I, Labushkin can't do anything there. He's he's being pile-drived into no, his no, own no, net. No, no, no. My, my point is that he should be le- able to do oh, that. Yeah. He shouldn't be interfered with in that manner. Correct. But if he does do that, then Sezikis has a pass and could potentially make the pass across. And, yeah. and there's that play there. So it's not as if just because the interference happened, if that interference doesn't happen, they still could have scored at that point in time. But it, it's a much different look because you don't have Fair. that free pass like, across the Royal Road. Fair. So I don't know. I didn't love that, but it was a mistake still either way. But so yep. anyway, 2-0. Two, two and then from there, the Ducks actually were able to to have the lead. This is where they, or sorry, to, to cut it in half, they actually scored three unanswered goals. And Troy Terry getting on the board. Now, I will say there was some good board work by uh, Jones and Kalorn to set this up on the power play, but that power mm-hmm. play unit, I mean, Carlson, Kalorn, Jones, Terry, Minchikov, like, it's getting close to what it's going to look like, I think, once Zegers is back. Like, I think Zegers probably takes Jones' spot on that unit, but Terry just letting a shot go from the left circle hits a skate or hits a body, I don't remember which. and Hits a skate. Yeah, deflects in, like, just kind of a freak bounce, but he gets rewarded. Do you want to? Do you want to get on your soapbox about Troy Terry? Uh, sure. Why not? Um, I, this is not a shining example of it, but I think he's been good on the power play and some of the the metrics. Like if you look at evolving hockey's goals by replacement model, he's had a positive impact on the power play throughout throughout the season. At that point, and you've seen it with some of the passes that he's made in the five on three. The pass of Leo Carlson consistently it, it is one that comes to mind uh in one of the more recent games and uh i think it was against the avalanche where that ended up happening and so i think he's a guy that's been snake bit and it's nice to see him get a goal like this come through because this is something that could open the floodgates i think he's also just gotten too much hate from a lot of fans i i've seen it out there i've seen it in discord i've seen it on twitter i've seen it all over the place of uh i think 
criticizing him is is accurate in the fact that he has not produced like he should with the contract that he has. I think that is completely fair, and I think that's warranted. But it almost feels like there's this over over microscopic view of his play where every single horrible play he makes, which there's going to be bad plays, there's going to be turnovers in a game, is under a microscope. And it almost lends the analysis, it almost overshadows anything positive he does because he has that turnover here and there. And sure, there are games where, I think against the Jets, he had a poor game. Um, and, and he's not producing like he should. But it almost feels like the hate and the criticism has gone way over the top in terms of how he's actually played. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a balance to be struck there where on one hand you can say he has not been as good as as everyone expected. I don't think anyone expected him to be sitting where he's at right now. But on the other hand, he hasn't been a, a bad player. Like He's still doing things out there that help his team. It's just... Yep. Now the expectation is a lot higher, the salary, and also not even, I mean, forget the salary, just his own track record. His yeah. own track record suggests that he's better than this. And so, you know, it can all be true. It can all be true that he has not yep. played well enough, that he's also not this, like, terrible player. And so you just got to find a balance in, in when you're talking about Troy Terry. I mean, speaking of which, I just glanced at Twitter and I just got a pretty pretty classic uh hateful comment on Terry in my reply. So like, it just goes to show like, like people are, are going a little too far. Like, I don't think like I've seen some discussion of should he be benched or should he be sat for a game? No, like this is still one of the best players. Even if he's not scoring, he's one of the players that's had one of the best. It's also just not going to help. It's not going to help him to do any of those well, things. And I think it also overlooks. He's been good defensively. Like he's been one of the better d ducks defensive forwards and sure he's not getting paid to be a good defensive forward. He's getting paid to score goals, but that is part of the job description. Something that he brings is being good defensively. And so I just think by having this over, over microscopic view, you're missing essentially it's being, it's swinging way too far in the direction of this player does nothing when he's actually doing stuff out there. And yeah. So, and, and again, this fumbled my I, way through that, but yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and one thing I want to point out is that, this is really, to me, the first time in years where he's really having to play in a true kind of structured game with, you know, rules and just, anyway, well, more structure. I, and, and so, like, watching him practice on Saturday, like, I think that he is, some of the stuff we see him struggle with in games, they are having him work on it in practice. Like, just, you know, controlling the puck along the wall, along the offensive blue line, in transition, making the right play. Like, he is going to get there. And we see little subtle hints of it game in and game out and it's going to get to a point where he'll have that foundation and then he can kind of explode again so it, it, it this isn't like a static thing where if he's struggling now he's just going to keep struggling like he can still grow as a player yep uh and there's something else i want to add to that but before i get to that let's have a quick word from our sponsors so this episode is brought to you by 714 tickets the hockey season is here, and it's in full swing. And whether you're a diehard Ducks fan or just looking for a night of exciting sports entertainment, 714 Tickets has got you covered. But here's the best part. At 714 Tickets, uh, they're not just about hockey. They've got tickets to all your favorite sports, concerts, and live events right at your fingertips. And the icing on the cake? They don't charge you a dime in taxes or fees. That's right. At 714 Tickets, what you see is what you get. No surprises at checkout. And with their user-friendly mobile app, booking your tickets is an absolute breeze. You can browse, select, and secure your seats within minutes. So you can shop online at 714tickets.com. You can call 714tickets 
or visit their office located right in front of Honda Center, and you can get 10% off when you shop online using the code CTP. So thank you so much to 714 Tickets. Yeah. Um, no, what I want to get to is actually you and I had a, a fun little conversation on, what was that, Monday? When you were driving up and I was on a lunchtime we, walk. We, we basically did a podcast. We, we basically did a podcast. <laughs> That's and right. Th- this kind of does... <laughs> This kind of moves nicely into the conversation that we had, though, on that phone call was that it almost feels like Troy Terry is really missing Trevor Zegris. He is. Because you you look at the and I know that you've kind of banged the drum that putting Troy Terry with Mace McTavish, getting him away from Trevor Zegris. But I think this little stretch has shown that he's at his best when he's out and able to get into the rush. And he's able to have someone that thinks the game in the same manner that he does. And I don't think for as good as Leo Carlson is. I think he plays the different style of game than well, here's, a, a Troy here, Terry does. Here's what here's what struck me. Okay. While while on this drive, while on this okay. long voyage back from Southern California. Okay. okay. Is is that I was listening to the PDO cast and I forget who they were talking about. Uh what was the latest episode? Who who was the player they're featuring? Uh it was Eichel and Oh, that's someone. right. Because because Jack I lis- I listened to it because you told me about it. And I was that's like, right. you, you just texted me PDO and I was like, what does this mean? And I listened. I was like, how does this relate? Yeah. And I was like, eventually well, he'll tell well, me. Well, so one point that Daryl Belfry made, which really kind of turned on the light bulb in my head about Zegris and Terry, is that Eichel has really thrived next to Jonathan Marcheseau. And Eichel is a center who loves to play on the outside. You know, he loves to set up from the half wall. He loves to you know, use his stick handling to really generate offense. Mm-hmm. And he's not really driving to the net. Whereas Marcia so loves to attack the middle shooter. And that made me think, huh, you know who this sounds a lot like Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry, because Trevor Zegers, though he is a center, although right now he's a winger. Lo- I mean, he does a lot of his work from the outside and that doesn't mean he's a perimeter player, but that's where he beats you to then get into the middle. Whereas Troy Terry, he is always looking to get into the middle. Like he might, he may start on the wing, but he is yeah. really center center lane focused. And so that got me thinking, man, that's kind of in part why. I mean, it explains a lot of why they succeed together, but also why Terry is struggling right now because you have Leo Carlson, who's kind of a he kind of does it all offensively. Like he's he's on yeah. the outside, he's on the inside. You have, you have Alex Kalorn who's going to the net, who's winning battles along the wall. And so you don't have that passer on the perimeter who's just going to hit you perfectly in stride like we've seen with Zegers and Terry. So it kind of just makes sense why they've why they've struggled, well, why Terry struggled away from each other and why they, they really need Trevor Zegers back. Well, I also think from the perspective of you look at the rushes and if you go back, if you go back the last couple of years, the way they support each other on the rush, I think is very interesting. You can tell that they read off each other and think the game in the same way. And I just don't think Alex Kalorn first off does. I think he's such a direct player. He's not a guy that is weaving in that manner, looking for the open spots to be able to have a give and go in the way that Zegers and Terry does. And I think Carlson just plays a completely different style game because of, I think his body, he more so drives front net. And he's definitely like attacking the middle and looking to get it out. Yeah. He, 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 his kind of routes, overlap yeah. with with terry's routes and yeah. i think that that's why they're not popping off together yeah and so i think all this kind of leads me back to that i think well yes troy terry has underperformed i think part of it is he is missing having a trevor's egress and he's been the person that's been impacted the most by trevor's egress missing two-thirds of the season so far yeah this this does make me kind of want to see them go back to like 
you know, duos almost. So like, yeah, you have you have McTavish with Strom, and then you have Zegris with Terry and Carlson with Morn. Well, and that goes to kind of what you brought up earlier. And I was going to bring this up then, but this works even better now. But you look at the way the that they had a clear they have a clear top six and a clear bottom six. This yeah. kind of by going that route, you're kind of changing that, right? Yeah. And you're you have your duos, and you're finding the best third person to fit with that duo. And you can leave McTavish, uh, Strom, and Vetrano together if you want. And then you find a third player, whether it might be a Brett Leeson, right? With with a uh, Brett Leeson can play with anyone. Well, you put him with Carlson and and uh, and Kalorn. And he's another guy that can win board battles and play similar to Kalorn and kind of support in that manner. And then maybe you ha- I mean, they've used Adam Henrique in that Adam that Henrique. role before. You put Adam Henrique with Carlson or with a uh, Zegris and Terry, and, and that that trio has had success in the past also. Yeah, and it just and, gives each yeah, line a you're, very your top three ahead. lines are totally different at that point. Well, and it, they yeah, they it just gives you a unique look with each line. So. I'm really curious if maybe they, they try to do that because I think that that would be the best way to kind of set this team up moving forward. I think there is still an argument to be had of having Carlson, Terry, Zegers together. Uh, yeah. You just have your three best players on a line together, see what can happen. They've had, they had games where they were just absolutely dominant where I want to see them together, see what they can do. The The game in Arizona comes to mind earlier in the season where they were just creating offense every single time they were on the ice and were never defending. And so you want to see that more. Um, but I don't, I, I think there are a lot of options, but I think at the end of the day, where I come to is, is Terry and Zegers need to be together. Yeah. Well, regardless, Trevor Zegers needs to be on the True. ice with this True. team, but so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So um, that was all of off tangent. of the Troy Terry conversation, but I, I think that was a good conversation to have. Yeah, no, but because this is a decision they're going to have to make soon and yep. they seem very committed to having Zegers on the wing and I'm not really here to kind of rehash that debate it's just more so by him being at center that's what this gives you for your lineup like that's that's the flexibility that it that it offers you well also there's going to be a game on the weekend where carlson is not playing yeah yeah and so he might just play at center anyway by default in that yep. game if he yep. plays of course yep uh knock on wood but yeah going into this game though second period again john gibson just making some really great saves there was one on the penalty kill where he had to slide all the way across. And this is actually something that we have talked about on this podcast where he didn't really challenge the shot that aggressively. And by staying in the blue paint, it made it easier to get across right to left, a shorter push. And he was able to just make the save on the one timer. So, you know, it's just John Gibson is just looks like a much better goalie this season overall. Yep. Um, but really that, that's that, that, second period to me was just you know it was a i should also talk about the goal i don't think i talked yeah. about the duck second goal but yeah uh, brett leeson making a great play you know and entering the zone getting in behind the net kicking it out to earl vakanainen who breaks his stick on the shot and this is another one of these kind of weird fluky goals that the ducks got in this game puck just kind of squirts over to henrique who puts on a nice move to finish it like that was he had to earn that one but <laughs> Urovac and Iden once again just can't can't catch a break goal scoring wise, but I thought that, that was a really nice play from Leeson and a nice little sign of life from Adam Henrique, who has not really shown a lot this season. Yeah, I think Henrique's probably best work has probably been on the power play with that unit and at five on five. We I, I think I don't think he's a center anymore. 
And so I think he's not necessarily been put in a position to succeed with that of late. But part of that is also just due to missing uh, McTav- Mason McTavish from the lineup. It just kind of happens. Missing Trevor Zegers yeah. from the lineup also. It, it's just putting him into that role at this point in time as a result of that. So um, I I think this was a nice play overall. This was one where I would say, yes, it's a bounce. Yes, it's a break. But this was one where I think they made their own bounce. They made well, their Br- own Brett break. Leeson made a really nice play to set this Correct. all up. So, Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And and the thing with Henrique is that it also just, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm like fixated on this these days, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's touching the puck a lot. Like it doesn't feel like he has a lot of opportunities to make hmm. plays. And I mean, when you're playing with, you know, 49 and 33, maybe that has something to do with it. Here I am just after starting the season off, giving, Jakob Silberg a ton of flowers. I'm I'm back a I'm back on my bullshit of just calling him out left and right. So my apologies to the Silverberg fan club. But yeah, that second period, the Ducks showed pushback. You know, I thought that they finally showed a little sign of life. Yes, the goals were a little fluky, but Gibson continues to play well. They get some good shifts, some cycle shifts, and so it felt like after 40 minutes, not only had they dodged a bullet with that bad start, but they were kind of getting their sea legs underneath them. Yep. Yep. They're getting their sea legs on the island. Wow. <laughs> I don't know wow. if that even makes sense, but yeah. I don't know. Um, sure. No. Third third it, period. It but go on. Third period is where things just get messy. Um, so <laughs> I don't even know what angle to attack this from, but I will say that the, the Ducks had a lot of good shifts in this period. Like this is probably the period where they had the most just good offensive zone Agreed. possession times shifts. You know, not all of them resulted in like high quality offense, but they were still they were still just getting in the offensive zone more, which goes to my earlier point that the Islanders aren't the Islanders of old, you know, just really choking you out defensively. Like th- there were opportunities there. Um, the Ducks would then take the lead. So three unanswered goals. Sam Carrick, uh, I think the shot deflected. It was off the rush. Yeah, I didn't actually see it deflect in real time because I wasn't listening with the it broadcast. Could, it was kind of like a floater almost. It was yeah. weird. Yeah, but then after that, you know, the, the Islanders would tie it up and, you know, just a, a failed clear in front. And after that, it, it still felt like the Ducks had an opportunity to win this game. You know, they get yeah. scoring chances. Troy Terry on the, on the doorstep <laughs> at one yeah, point. And- and even before that goal, the goal from the Islanders, he had a really nice rush chance that there was a nice look for him to be able to get a, a shot off. Um, and yeah, that that chance right in front where he just kind of misses it high, another really really good look for Troy Terry in this game. And so yeah. they, and they they were definitely they were definitely pushing. And I mean, we didn't talk about it yet, but penalties were an issue in this third period. They Cam Fowler took the penalty, and while you if you want to call it soft or not. His stick was in the skate, and the guy goes down. That's it was a, a trip. Tripping. It was it, a it trip. Was, the reason people were angry is because Jones had been tripped right before that, and Correct. there was no call. Yeah. Correct. And, and so there, there's that there. But still, bad clear by by Brett Leeson. Doesn't get it fully out. Ends up going, uh, or the Islanders end up scoring on that play. And then but not right a, afterwards. Not a ton you can really do on that play. Like, it's a, Correct. It's a, one, it's a one-time blast from Barzal. Correct. I mean, really, yeah. the bigger issue is just not being able to clear the puck in that situation. Yep. Um but and then in the defensive zone, Jacob Silverberg skies the puck out. And I mean, if you want to have a criticism, uh, it was the fact that Leo Carlson was high sticked like minutes or a minute or so before that play. Mm-hmm. So an obvious high stick. So it's frustrating, but I mean, the Ducks are still taking these penalties. And yeah. you you cannot take these penalties in a tied game 
late in a period. Like this has been a story for this team of in third periods, late in the third or with less than 10 minutes left, taking these types of penalties where even if you are able to kill it off fully, that's two minutes gone that you, you have left on the board that you cannot get back for attacking purposes. Like you have spent those two minutes trying to defend, 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 and that's going to have a, 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 an impact on you long-term. Yeah. And then in this period, just so much, so much chaos, I would say yeah. what, what yep. chaos, um, you know, Leo Carlson almost turning it over in front of his own net. Yep. Um, you know, this is probably the, the game for the first time this season where it felt like Leo Carlson's kind of rookie inexperience was showing a little bit more. Like there was a play in the, in the first period, I think it was where it was on the breakout and he has a very easy pass available to him and he's curling out in front of his own net. And instead of doing that, he just does a little like shake and bake move to get past the first four checker. And it's like, it looks great when it works, but then you see the other side of that coin in the third period where when things don't work, when you're taking unnecessary risks, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to get burned at some point. Didn't result in a goal there, but then the ducks go to the power play late in the game. Very strange kind of sequence overall. The ducks, I think they won the face off in the Islanders zone. Yeah. They may, like that, yeah. It doesn't totally matter, but a, a nope. ru- so Kalorn gets called for a penalty. It's a delayed penalty. And so as the Islanders are coming down the ice, Leo Carlson is one of the two ducks defending the rush. And you can tell he just kind of stops moving because he's pissed about the penalty. Like at one point he's just completely vertical. And as he's doing that, the man that doesn't have the puck Holmstrom, who would score the game winner is still building up his speed. So there's a, all of a sudden there's a speed differential between the two. So as once Holmstrom gets the puck, Leo's already like a step or two behind him. He has to accelerate, try to pressure him. But at that point, Holmstrom is getting a better look than he would have. Otherwise he's able to come in on the wing and just, I mean, a perfect shot to roof it on Gibson. I honestly don't know how much better Gibson could have played it. Maybe stay a little bit more upright, but you don't know what Holmstrom's going to do in that scenario. He could cut across. Maybe that's what he was trying to do. Sell, sell the, you know, the backhand move as he's cutting in from the left side. So one of those plays where I don't think anyone really gets a ton of blame other than I would say to Leo Carlson is like, you got to play till the whistle. Like you can't, you can't stop playing. Yeah in a high leverage situation because yeah. you're pissed at the ref, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's obviously things he can do better, but I think all in all at the end of it, the shot comes from way outside. He's able to keep him somewhat to the outside well, there. It wasn't, it wasn't a way outside. Like he was past him. Like, like Leo Carlson was Fair. trailing him. Fair. But the shot comes from basically the face off dot or low face off, uh, circle. It was like, it like, was like, right. A, it was, it was between the dot and the crease. Basically yeah. it was, it's that a pretty, se- it's a pretty severe angle at the end yeah. of it all. Like, that that's not Carlson basically getting burned for a breakaway going against. I, I think is the only pushback yeah, but, I have. But, I, but I agree. The I agree is that, that he that... stopped. He stopped playing. Agreed. Like half a second. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And you can't do that. Agreed. So, um, but I think that is a save John Gibson will want back, even if it is a perfect yeah. shot. I just don't know what more you can do. Like, like I think without, you just without, have to get your shoulder up and read the shot there. Like without the without the benefit of hindsight of knowing that the shot's going you know, perfectly upstairs. It's like, I don't know. Maybe he needs to, that kind of save technique he's using. He needs to wait a little bit before getting into that. I don't know. I don't yep. know. Like Fair. it's one that looks bad, but I'm also like, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to say what could have True. been done differently. 
True. I mean, the only thing that he can probably do there is shrug his shoulder up a little bit to be able to try to get a piece of it and read the shot with that. But that yeah. that is a tight angle. It's a or it's close. And to that's him, the thing so is that it ramps you know, up quick. Holmstrom is coming in. It's on his forehand. And all of a sudden, you know, one second to the next, he just perfectly roofs it. I'm like doing a hand flick motion that you guys can't see. But there's no way to read that shot, basically. So it's just yeah. like, I don't know. Fair. It, it's hard. It's hard because, yes, you I can any short side goal. You're going to raise an eyebrow for sure. Like there is definitely I'm sure John Gibson isn't happy about that goal. One hundred percent. But anyway, so, yeah, so the Ducks lose this game. You know, they 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 mount a little bit of pressure even after the goal. Uh, they got a few good looks, you know, with the net empty. But yeah. and, just, and there ju- was just just a weird game overall. There, <laughs> there was a lot of chatter about the fact that the fact that uh, Terry or not Terry uh that uh carlson and minchikov weren't on the ice there after that goal for the the last little push and it, i mean it's because they just got scored on so yeah. that's why they went with the second power play unit i don't think there's well, also carlson was on the ice like with the net empty at one point that was with like five seconds left yeah but it's not like he didn't play it's not like he got no or anything yes but there was criticism of the fact that it was like the fa- it was fowler vetrano silverberg those guys out there with goalie pulled in a six on four situation but it's it's because yeah. the other unit just got scored on well, also, like, like, they got scored on, especially Carlson, like, in a way that wasn't, yeah. like, it didn't look good for him. Yeah, so like, I'm all for criticizing uh, power play unit usage, but I understand why this one happened this way. Yeah, and so, do I think the Ducks deserve to win this game? No. I mean, they played well enough to have a chance to win, but this isn't they- like... this isn't like the Chicago game where, no, you know, like, they should have absolutely won. I think they played well enough in this game to get a point. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like they had a chance. Like they played well enough to, to buy themselves a chance. You give them credit for the fact that they came back. You call them out also because of how poorly, like how just atrociously they started and how how much worse it could have been. They weather that storm. They find a way. Uh, but then, you know, mistakes, lack of discipline down the stretch cost them the game. So it's like they didn't do themselves a ton of favors either in this game. Yeah. And so that leaves the Ducks with the loss in this game. I'm trying to look it up, but it's 11 what, and 12, 11 of their last 12. Yep. And it's Losses, less kind of by a, the way, not. Wins. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's left a lot of people wondering, well, crap, is this team actually this bad? Is this as bad as last season? Um, what's wrong with this team? All these different types of things. And I think the one kind of thing I have to say on that. Well, I have a lot of things, actually, not one thing. I should be Go clear on that, but Get that I, I think bag, that King. F- first off, you're hearing it from from the coaching staff. You're hearing it from players. You're hearing it from all of them. Is they understand that they're not playing horrible right now, and that's the correct assessment of this team. They are making some mistakes here and there that are costing them in these games. They are also up until tonight, we're not getting the breaks. They had or the the breaks for goals. I think they were shooting a, a league worst six percent at five yeah. on five. Like, yeah. that is just not going to continue, especially when you add a Trevor Zegers, add a Mason McTavish back to the lineup. That's just not going to continue. And so they're going to get more of these types of breaks throughout their game, uh, throughout the games, because they quite frankly haven't. You think back to the Chicago game where they did not get what they deserved in that game. Yep. And, and so they're going to get the bounces going their way. And so I would more so say some of these losses are as a result of that. And so the 11 of 12, no, that's not really who they were. Maybe they were still losing more than they would win over that 12-game stretch. Maybe they're a 5-7 and seven team over that stretch, but they're not an 11-of-12 team. 
over that yeah. stretch. And, and so that that's the first thing. I think the other thing is you're seeing their their process still improve. And you you heard Jamie Drysdale say that that they're honestly not playing bad. Well, Cronin and, and, and Cronin, Cronin had even, a really good good quote on that. Cronin had a great quote on that where more or less what he said is as a coaching staff, what we have to do here is we need to look at the process. We need to essentially look at the game as if no goals are scored and understand essentially how the game was played. Look at scoring chances, look at what happened throughout the game and not just focus on these three or four events and look at how the actual game was played. And he's like, if we do that, we, and this was during the the losing streak um, prior to the, the win against the avalanche. But he's like, if you look at that, we should have won some of these games. And on the flip side, when we were on the winning streak, we should have lost some of those games. And that just shows you he has his head on right and that he understands what's happening here. And that especially with this team this season, the results do matter at the end of it all. But the process is the more important part because they need to get that right. And I've mentioned this a bunch, but you need to get that right with this team because that is what you build upon to have success long term. And even you look back to the avalanche, right? They had that awful, awful season, but Jared Bednar was probably instilling a lot of positive things with that team during that stretch there. Um, And then the other thing kind of as part of this conversation is, oh, no, it's last season again. Yeah. And that that just that's revisionist history. Like, so you you have to watch like if you think that this is like last season, just just go watch any random game from last. So I was curious. I looked at the game log game logs for this year and last year Mm -hmm. and and combine them. And let's just say the bottom half of games from an expected goals perspective. So expected goals against perspective. Mm -hmm. How many of the games in those bottom 82 do you think are from this season versus last season? Bottom 82. So, so I I just took, I just took half of the games basically because there's 162 between the two. I'm going to say like 90% of them close. It's like 87%. Yeah, there were yeah. thirteen. I think there were thirteen games of those eighty-two that were from this season, which yeah. goes to show you that defensively things are so much better this season as compared to last season. Like th- yeah. this is just things going completely in the right direction from a defensive perspective. Things are getting short up, and it kind of makes sense. They've missed one of their best offensive talents for two thirds of this season, so they are going to be missing that. Um, I just realized I'm dumb. I did 82 when there has not been 82 games this season. Yeah, I was very don't, confused by that number. Sorry, I don't know why I did that. But still, I mean, that makes it even more relevant is that 13 of the 82 games, which is almost the entirety of it because it's at 100 or so. Um, it, yeah, it it it's striking the difference between this season and last season. Well, especially I think if you look just at the very kind of basic expected goals for versus against numbers, like what's I think what's really hurting the Ducks more is just the fact that they're not generating much offense because they're expected goals against they are bottom third but they're 22nd you know like they're they're sort of almost outside of that bad range and that has kind of gotten worse as of late um whereas the expected goals for like they are well into that bottom third and so I think that you can attribute that to missing a lot of offensive talent uh, throughout the season and especially as of late. So, yeah, no, they're not. And, and it's like, guys, like, are we really doing this? You know, are, are we really, really doing this? Like, I watched those games last season. You all watched those games last season. We're watching these games this season together. There is no way that you can sit here and honestly tell me that you honestly believe that this season is worse 
than last season or that it's as bad. It's like, sure, it might be even more disappointing because you, you, you expect that's more. completely fair. And I, but, I think that that's fair but, that it's frustrating because they're in the games also. Like, so but, from a fan perspective, it's frustrating. But, but, but saying that it's, it's last season all over again, it's just like, come on. No one, no one honestly believes that uh, when you actually watch the games. And, uh, so, and, and sorry for the, for the, uh, never mind. Don't listen to me. I was going to make another stats point, but we're confusing people enough as it is with the here, stats. Here is a, a more succinct way of putting it. Uh, it last season they gave up 3.49 expected goals against per 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season it's at 2.81 from an yeah. offensive perspective. They generated 2.21 expected goals for per 60 last season. This season it's at 2.43 and that is without Trevor's egress for two thirds of those games. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have done that primarily without Trevor's egress when last year they did have him for almost all of it, like, this has been a massive, massive improvement for this team. Yeah, and at, at the end of the day, it is an improvement. We also need to guard against being overly praising of being better than the worst team in the analytics era. Like, yes, they have yeah. taken huge strides, and that is worthy of praise. At the same time, you don't want to go overboard because where <laughs> they're coming from is, like, just absolutely terrible, like, no one has ever been this bad level. So, and also it's a different roster now. Like there's a lot of differences. Anyway, we could go on and on, you know, this season, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rookies, a lot of inexperience in the lineup. So just a lot of different factors going into all of this. Yep. Yeah. But I guess the good news is they are, I think they're slowly, but surely climbing their way up closer to 50%. My whole, my whole thing is it's just, I'm not really judging this team fully until they're healthy. That might not happen. Like who knows if that'll happen. I also, I also think this is just me personally. I'm not fully judging this team on the results. I think at the end of the season, you want to look at the results and hopefully it agrees with the process. But But, this season was never fully going to be about the results. Like, I think that they needed to probably win about 80 or have about 80 points. 80? For this 80 games. No. Have about 80 points for this to be considered a successful season. Um, Maybe it's a little bit lower than that. Maybe it's 77, 78. But still the biggest thing was getting them playing a better way, being more competitive throughout these games, having a better look. And Max Jones kind of had an interesting comment. Uh, I think it was post, I think it was yesterday. When oh, the morale out. comment. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, I've never seen anything as bad as last season or something like that was, was the quote. And this season's not even close to that. Cause he said that they have a, he basically said like, we're in these games. It's a, it's a different type of negative yeah. feeling, but we, we are in these games and they are, And that's what makes it maybe more frustrating and more disappointing for fans, which I understand. It's like you're almost you're kind of getting there, but then you fall short again. I'm just not going to fully harp on this team until until they have everyone back together um, and and they get a solid run in them, you know, because we've seen how it can look when things are really clicking. Here's the quote. It's definitely different. Last year, it was just really bad morale. Every game we were going into, I felt like we were just going to lose. Now it just feels like we're in every game. We're in it. That's kind of the one thing I think we need to keep our heads up about. We're starting to do the right things, but we just have to do it for 60 minutes. That's the one thing that separates teams, winning teams from average teams and losing teams. Yep. That's the next step that we got to take. And I, he's spot on there with that assessment because and they, tonight, they are making tonight, mistakes. Yeah. Tonight, they had a bad first period. Like that first period, quite frankly, should have done them in. Because yeah. they should have been losing by a goal or two after that first period and, and been behind the eight ball and have to push back in the game as a result of that. And due to a great goaltending performance, they were still tied going to the second period. Um, 
So they still need to fix that, but they are taking steps in the right direction. And also, like, it, it's... Again, I don't want to undersell how poorly they've played at times because, yes, there has been there have been problematic moments, the penalties, the breakdowns defensively, all of that. All of that is true. But it can also be true that, you know, development takes time. Progression takes time to really get there. Look at the Buffalo Sabres, who we all crowned as, oh, they're the team, the young team that's going to take the next step this season and, and look at them go. Right now, they are five points out of last in their division. Like they are 12, 14 and three has not gone according to plan minus 12 goal differential. Like it's even when you have all the pieces learning to play as a team, learning to play winning hockey, it's just a, it's a process. And the way that the ducks roster is built right now, like they are on the ground floor of that process of really building towards something. Cause last season, I'm sorry, they weren't building towards anything. They were building towards getting, Leo Carlson and they got him, but now it's about building towards being a winning team. And, and that's just going to take time. Like they're being held to a different standard. Now the stakes are higher, even though they're not winning. And so it's, it's tough as a fan because you, you want to see the consistency. You want to see the, the, the team getting those results, but it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah. It, I mean, it's hard because I think you said it, it's frustrating, right? It's yeah. frustrating because you see them in these games. It's not like, oh, they're getting blown out. And it's not as if it's funny like it was last year where it's like, oh, yeah. they, they've you, lost six to one again. And yeah. it, it's just like a, another one. <laughs> another one bites the dust. Whereas this year, it's like it's almost dragged out. Like tonight's game is a prime example of that. They took the lead in the third, ended up being tied, ended up losing. And so it, it, I think from that perspective, that's, I think, where the most frustration probably comes from for a fan. And by the way, just, you know, the people that are already leaning into, oh, you know, start up the tank, uh, like, here we go again, you know, tanking for Celebrini or whatever. Yes, currently the Ducks are last in the division. And I think because of this losing streak, it's it's unlikely that they're, it's almost impossible they're going to make the playoffs. But I wouldn't lean into that quite hard. So, you know, I, I wouldn't lean into that quite quite hard yet. You know, I think that, once they get healthy and even these games are losing, the games are competitive. You know, the mm -hmm. games are to me, the games are still going to matter for quite a while until they're mathematically eliminated. Like this team is just not going to go quietly in my opinion. Yep. And so, yeah, maybe I, the, I don't think Greg Cronin will let them go quietly either. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I just think that on talent, when they have everyone back in, it's just not, and even right now in their injured state, the games are still competitive. So yes, they have lost. Yes. They're probably, I mean, the playoffs are, looking pretty rough right now, but I still think that they have a good solid stretch of hockey in them. Like this is mm -hmm. this, this I just leading into the draft angle so early to me, it's like, sure. If you want to do that, if that's your copium, if that's where you're feeling better, fine. But I think that the season is still interesting enough to where I'm not, I wouldn't go there quite yet. I'm still, I'm still excited for every single game because yeah. I think there's a whole lot that you can see from this team. You're not dreading the games like you were last season where oh, each God. game feels like a chore. Ugh. Yep. Um, all right. Want to get into questions? Sure. All right. So we're going to get our first questions from our Patreon Discord. Uh, if you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash and subscribe at the $2 tier, any tier above that, you get access to the, this Discord and can put questions in there and we prioritize them for the show. Uh, so McTavish Terry Drumbanger said, is Brett Leeson more than meets the eye? Is he a top six winger in disguise? He's a top six winger right now. He's playing in the Ducks top six. Um, no, I mean, I, maybe I've already kind of answered it by the earlier comments, but he looks great. He's playing awesome. 
and yes, I think that when they're fully healthy, they can put him in the top six, and I think it would be a good decision. Yep, agreed. Uh, Brad said, while I'm certainly excited for our future, I take the, the very high as high as number one prospect ranking with a pound of salt. With the exception of Zellweger and possibly Luno, who's in the pipeline that can be considered a likely pro? pro. I don't see it. He and Leo no longer count. So I, I think the the important thing here to to think about is first off with the athletic ranking, it was a twenty three and under ranking that they did, which mm-hmm. makes sense because when you're looking at this and ranking the team, what do you consider a prospect? And that that's the real question here because there could be some teams that have a twenty one year old prospect that could become a pro. Well, the Ducks have that in, in Mace McTavish and Trevor Zegers and guys around that age. And they're not technically considered prospect, but they're on this team long term. And so they should be considered part of that future. So maybe not from the pipeline perspective, they're not there. But for this future, they they are a huge part of that. And so you have to consider them even if they're not part of the pipeline. And then the Elite Prospects one came out, and that one did not include any of the guys that have been in the NHL. And that included Carlson. That included Zellweger. That included Luno. Um but to get to the question about who's in the pipeline, I mean, Zellweger and Leno are obviously there. I think Ian Moore has a really good chance. Is Ian um, Moore going to play for the Ducks, though? I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing, though, right? Is like, I, I think that this ranking should actually be considered a massive thing and looking at the team of the fact that the Ducks are eight deep in terms well, of defense well, prospects. Well, here, here, here's the thing. So yeah. we were having this conversation today, actually, in, in the in the Prospect Talk channel on Discord. It. But... Yes, there isn't as much exciting offense in the pipeline for the forwards. Like, you know, Leo Carlson is in there or has made it. Yes, you have Igor Sidorov going off right now. He's just scoring at a ridiculous goal per game pace. But the thing is, the Ducks already have those kind of blue chip forwards locked down in the NHL. And ultimately, yes, you would like more offense in the pipeline, but that's what matters most. And they got them. Leo, Trevor... Mason. And then on the blue line, look, Tyson Hines to me looks really good. You know, we, Olin Zellweger, um, there's, you know, Noah Warren who made Team Canada. You talked about Leno. They have some good depth forwards to me that could come up through the pipeline. Myadovic, you know, uh, Petra. Like, there's guys that are going to come through that I think are going to help supplement this group. So, yeah, I don't, yes, maybe there's not that true, true blue chip anymore like, like there has been, but that's because they're on the team now, and that's a good thing. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't agree with this comment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that you can't necessarily like, you can't look at pipeline and ignore the guys on the roster because essentially what are you trying to do with this team? Right. Or what are you trying to do by looking at this? You're trying to but the, establish but the pipeline is the pipeline is good though. Well, no, no, no. But my, my point here is by talking about future, by talking about prospects, what are you trying to do? You're trying to evaluate where this team's going to be in two, three, four years. What is the long-term trend for this team? And so by ignoring those guys, you're ignoring the major pieces, the guys that are in the NHL at 18, 19 years old, which are the best players on the team. And so any, any single team that is drafting high, they're 18 or 19. Like if you ignore their 18 or 19 year olds that are in the NHL, you're just going to have second rounders. Like that's just not going to be at this sexy type of player that is going to be guaranteed to be in the NHL. Pavel Pavel Mitchikov is 20 and he's in the NHL. Yeah. Like, like there, there are plenty of teams that may have like these sexy prospects that are 20 years old, not in the NHL. And the ducks just so happen to have those guys in the NHL right now. I think there's also just like a name brand, almost like fatigue or uh, desensitizing going on with the ducks where it's like, we've been talking about Zellweger for so long that it's not as exciting as it used to be. 
uh, even though I think he looks great right now. But anyway, I well, would like, still I'm, I'm still very many, high on the pipeline. <laughs> how many teams have the the prospect pool on blue on the blue line that the Ducks have? None, none. Like, like they like, they're yeah. they're eight deep. Yes, the Ducks don't have a, a true blue chip forward in the pipeline, but. They've got them in the NHL. They're all in their primes. They're all still very, very young. Bill Carlson, I think, is still 18. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about the forwards. And they have a lot of young forwards in the pipeline who can come in and help. Like, we talked about it earlier, like the, the issues in the bottom six. To me, that can really change in the next two to three years if some of these guys actually you know hit. And they have a yep. lot of them. So, yep. not worried. Uh, Shaken Wing said, is it weird to put your own name and number on the back of a jersey? No, do no. you want. You you paid you paid for that jersey. Do what you want with it. Agreed. Yep. Uh, Dorian said, "Do you think Strom should have been suspended? Feels like knee to knee was accidental. Yet social media is calling for his head." I didn't, we didn't talk it. much about the Jets game. Um, I think the five minute major was was the correct call, which automatically comes with getting booted from the game. Uh, it's just the fact that he Connor moved a little bit late, but it wasn't like a huge body change. It was from sh- the the shooting motion. And, and Strom just catches knee on knee heavy. Um, I don't think I would have necessarily been surprised if there was a fine or a one game suspension, but I think probably the, the overarching thing there is that it didn't look intentional. It didn't look like he was trying to hurt him. And I think that that probably played a factor in it. Also, the other thing to keep in mind is it is supplemental. Like suspension is supplemental discipline, discipline to the on ice call. I think probably may have played a part that this call happened early in the second period. So he missed basically two periods of the game. And mm-hmm. so they probably viewed that as being the extent that it should have been. Maybe if it was late in the third, maybe he would have gotten a game. Um, it, it's hard to really say, but I think probably the intent was may have played a part there um, in it. So I think he should not have been suspended. I wouldn't have necessarily been surprised if he was, though, I guess is the way I'll put it. Uh, Brad asks, I'm hearing less and less hype about Leo and Minty. Uh, has the level of pl- their play changed? If so, A, regression to the mean, or B, victim of the team's overall state? I think it's just the the excitement, like the initial excitement kind of wearing off. I think that's all it is because in the beginning, it was so, you know, it was so exciting. It was so fascinating that they were even in the NHL at all and playing this well that now you kind of, that becomes your baseline and it loses its its kind of pop. Like, I, I still also- think, I still I still think they're playing great. I also think it's a result of them losing. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that's probably the biggest factor there. Is well, that well, Brad th- sounds a little down and out about this team right now, judging yeah, by like, the questions. <laughs> like, I, I just think that if the team was still winning right, you would still have the same hype around them. But I think that there just hasn't been that hype because the team's been losing, so people are going to be down. And yeah, um, Minch- Minchikov has taken maybe a little bit of a step back offensively, but I still think he's doing a lot of good things out there, you know, without the puck, and he's still moving the puck. And also, like, one thing that I thought about reading this question earlier is like this league is the, is heavily, heavily scouted. Like the surprise factor doesn't last very long against the opposition. There was no film. There was no video on Carlson or Minchikov that teams could scout prior to the season. So maybe they were taking teams by surprise. Now that's not the case. So also teams are honing in on them more than they used to. Like that matters a lot. Yep. All right. Skippy with peanut butter says uh, with the ducks seeming to find ways to lose, uh, Lose even during games they deserve a better fate in. Where are you guys uh, uh, on the it's so over to F it we ball on the mood scale? Is Vibes HC going up in flames? Also, what shakeup does the team need to get Kalorn, Terry, and Henrique going back, uh, going and back on the score sheet more consistently? I feel like we've answered this all, but in long, like 
I my mood is still high because yeah, you know, there's a lot of mitigating factors that we've talked about, and also like to get them all going. I think kind of going into what we talked about earlier, maybe getting duos going instead of the you know yeah. being stuck to this top six, bottom six mentality. Like I think from the perspective of wins and losses, I think it it's definitely a bummer. But I think I'm still going into each game enjoying it. I think I'm. There's I'm, still an, there's I, still an intrigue. Yeah, like I think Vibes HC is still there. It's maybe <laughs> not as strong as it was during the winning streak, and not as fun no. as it was during the winning streak because losing is just never going to be as fun. But I still find myself every single game being really or finding myself enjoying every single game outside of like the first period of, of this Islanders game. There's going to be a period <laughs> here and there that are just dog shit and not fun to watch and they're losing but, some games they should be winning too yeah yep so. exactly and and so i don't think i'm i'm at the point of it's so over i don't know if i'm at effort we ball because <laughs> of them losing but i i think i'm just pleasantly enjoying every game there you go yeah um mctavish terry drumbanger said over under ducks won a game during this road trip over easy yeah of course yeah they're winning a game they could have won uh, tonight <laughs> D-Rock said, best and worst Ducks player this season so far. Oh, who's the Ducks' best player? Brett Leeson? Best player. I think for a while, Pavel Minchikov had a very legitimate claim to this, but I'll go with the easy choice, uh, John Gibson. He has been the best player. Yeah, it's probably John Gibson. Um, Yeah. Erho Vakaninen has actually been really good. No, should, but... should get some. No, 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 no. I know. I'm not putting him in that role. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Okay. I'm just trying to think through players that have been really, really good. Um, yeah, I'll give it to Gibson. I mean, uh, Leo Carlson, his points per game is really high. Yeah. I mean, it's... Worst Ducks I... player. Um... I mean, are you? what's stopping you from picking Ross Johnston here? The fact that he just hasn't played that much lately, but maybe that that's even more I of a sign like to Hen- pick him. Henrique has not done anything to stand out to me. I don't know if he's been the actual worst player, like just the biggest drag, but he has just not been there this season offensively. This may be bold, and this is more so over the last little stretch. I'll I'll, I'll clarify that. But I don't think Frank Fatrano has been that good over this last little stretch. I think yeah, when he when when yeah. he's not when he's not scoring goals, he's not doing a whole lot for you. <laughs> well, the thing with him is that in the beginning of the season, it really felt like he was actually making plays. Yeah, that he was he was creating off the rush, you know, in the cycle. And lately, it does feel like his puck touches are down. He's not creating quite as much. But I also yeah. just think you know, it's he's he. You can't pick him for worse play. No, you no, can't. can't. It, it was just more so like cycling through the guys on the team. I think Ross Johnson, Ross Johnson, probably would be that guy though. I think Henrique has maybe, been the most, maybe, the most maybe disappointing. It, maybe it's a cop out though, but yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, Ken Ken RC said, "Do we see uh, see Zegers break out once he's back, close to a point per game?" Sure. Yeah, I'll go yes. Doom Krauser said, "Let's say Cronin can ask for Beaker Claus for one gift for Christmas. What's a reasonable addition to the roster that he can request?" <sighs> I, this is a good question. I feel like a, just a solid middle six forward, like a like a middle six forward who can bring a nice two-way game, some offensive ability, just like not an all-star, but just someone to kind of bridge that gap between the the, t- the, bo- the top six and the bottom six. I mean, that's not where I'm going to go, but uh, there there's someone that kind of fits that mold. Who? I think he's injured. 
but he who, he's currently on, playing in San Diego. Uh, forward, forward. I I can't I can't think of anyone in San Diego who Pavel Pavel Regenda. Yeah, Pavel, I just don't, well, he's Pavel Regenda. No, I know he's hurt, but I'm saying he kind of fits that mold of exactly what you just said. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know his timeline. Yeah, I also just think that the goals need him. Like, like the the goals just won a couple games, but they had they they had they've had their own massive losing streak. Uh, but yeah, Pavel Regenda would be a good pick. Pavel yeah, Regenda's uh, pa- Pavel Regenda is better than at least a couple players in this team right now. Yeah. Um, reasonable addition to the roster. I mean, I guess maybe that that's the key. I, I don't think this is necessarily a reasonable addition, but adding another top six winger, <laughs> younger top six, six winger, like that's what they need. So, Nikita Nesterenko? No, 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 no. Goose asks, what do you think the D pairings will look like when Drysdale's back? Uh, Fowler, Drysdale, Lacombe, Gudis, and then I'm blanking on the third pairing. Minchikov. Uh, oh yeah, Labushkin. Labushkin. Yeah, there you go. Olaf is berserker said, in the spirit of the holiday season, what is a single gift you would give to the Ducks right now? Uh, Like a shot collar to where when you think you're about to take a penalty, Cronin can oh. just buzz you. I think that's that good. that would probably be the best one. Uh, Trevor Zegris in the line. Yeah, okay, that's probably a better one. <laughs> L- shot- little, that- little, less, little less violent. <laughs> the shot collar was creative. I- I'm impressed <laughs> with that one. Uh, Duck Shackernaut said... When are we allowed to start questioning how much ice time Cronin is giving Cam Fowler? And by questioning, I mean criticizing Cronin. When are we allowed to start? I mean, no one is stopping you from doing it. I I have I done mean, it on this, this podcast. This question is criticizing it, to be fair. I think that it's totally fair and apt to call it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That's it for questions from here. So Twitch, YouTube chat, if you have questions, throw them in. I see there are a couple there. But if you're listening on your favorite podcast services, you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash pond, where if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. It helps out more than you can imagine. So please uh, send that over our way. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. Or if you want to just follow us there so you can know when we go live, you'll get notified then. Or if you're listening to this and you have a YouTube account, and let's be real. Everyone has a YouTube account. Go to youtube.com slash crash the pond. Subscribe to the channel. You can also monetarily support us by, uh, I think that there's subscribing in a certain way there. There's super chats, things like that. If you, once again, if you give us a super chat, we will read that right away and prioritize that instantly. Um, but like our video, subscribe to the channel. We we're trying to really make some pushes over there. So, uh, we have this question. Uh, we have two from this Muhammad Zegris question. Celebrini? <laughs> Man, I will say if the Ducks somehow got Macklin Celebrini this year, that would be massive. Massive, massive, I mean, massive. If the Ducks could get some lottery luck going their way. Yeah. Like if if they if they finish, you know, not that low, but they somehow jump up. Getting that would Macklin, be ideal. I would feel really bad for the Sharks though. If nope. that were to happen. Don't feel bad. Macklin Celebrini bad. is from here. He's from I, San Jose area. Like I, I still won't feel bad. I mean, no, you shouldn't feel bad because it's all random. But yeah, if the Ducks got Macklin Celebrini, like they, they have to be good next year. Like they, they have to be good very soon because it's just too much talent to not be good. So yeah, uh, Muhammad Zegra said, uh, "Is Jacob Perot still someone with NHL potential?" Ooh, well, I just watched a goals game yesterday slash today. And my answer is, I don't know. 
I d- well, okay, how do we define potential? I will say that he flashes high-end offensive skill, no doubt. Like, he's added layers. He's added some playmaking. But the, the other side of the ice, without the puck, is the one where I have all sorts of questions. Like, there are times where, like, controller disconnected moments is what I'll call them, where he's just, like, looks like he's almost not trying. Or he's just confused and doesn't know where to be. So I'm going to check back in with him in a, you know, later down the season. Cause I think he's working out a lot of bad habits. I don't want to judge him too harshly right now because of the disaster fire that has been San Diego, but yes, he still has NHL potential. Yes. Odog 81 said, do you guys still wish that the ducks took Marco Rossi over Jamie Drysdale? I remember you guys being high on him during the 2020 draft. Oh, well, thank you for remembering. I feel like, you know, over the years we, we kind of dig our heels into whether it's the draft or certain things like we have these strong takes, these strong kind of narratives that eventually have to come to an end because they get resolved. And it feels like, all right, we got to start over now. And uh, yeah, people, the Marco Rossi one, who the ducks were to draft at number six in 2020, maybe because we had more time on our hands, who knows for talking about it. But I was, I was the, I was the Marco Rossi drum banger. You were 100%. I mean, he's playing well right now, 16 points in 26 games. Yep. so far this season like he he's had a nice comeback he's a guy that i think really got hit hard with covid right and, and that yeah. really knocked him knocked him out for a bit um and, and put his career a little bit on the back burner um but it seems like he's starting to come into his own um in terms yeah. of what i what my answer is yes by the way yes i, I think my answer like, is yes one thousand percent yes it, it's funny because it's still almost as much of a question mark right now as it was back then because i don't, th- I don't think so though we just because don't know what Jamie Drysdale is, though. Like I, I know, but but just judging off what we know today, like Marco Rossi is how old is he now? He is twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two. He just turned twenty two, and he's producing in the NHL in his first full season there. This is the most games he's played yet in the NHL. Before that, he was a, he was almost a point per game in the AHL. He was close to it in his rookie season in the AHL. Like he's just. He's progressing very nicely, and he is exactly the kind of player that the Ducks could use in their lineup right now. Just a really good, solid playmaking well, forward. Especially when you look at the the depth of talent the Ducks have on the blue line now. Yeah, that's the thing. Jamie Drysdale is like almost like a, you know, he he's a guy that it's great to have him, but it's almost like a luxury because of how much defensive depth that they have. And but to your point though, it is fair to say that well, we still kind of don't know. Yeah. But let's let's assume that Jamie Drysdale really gets to where we think he can be. I would still rather have Marco Rossi. That's just my opinion. Yep. All right. That's it for questions, but we've got chit show questions if you want to do them quickly. Oh, wait. Is that all for questions? I feel, I feel like I saw some more earlier, but maybe not. Uh, there may have been some earlier. It's hard for if me you, to If you had a that. question and we didn't get to it yet in the chat, just throw it in again. Throw it in. We'll get there. We're going to go to shit show questions from Discord now, though. This is going to get silly. McTavish Terry Drumbanger said, how is it possible that reindeer and hashtag reindeer and hashtag Gelix can sing the Pokemon theme song, but not know who hashtag Celebi is and how relevant he is in this year's upcoming draft? Well, it it's Celebrini, right? That, that, yeah, that's why. Yeah. Like Ooh. that threw P-B- me off. Uh, he blaster in the chat saying Caden Gooley better than Drysdale at this point. I would agree with that. Also a little biased, but you're 100% biased, but I, I wa- watching Caden play on a night to night basis. I, Hard not to agree with that. Hard uh, not to. D Rock said, "What will uh, happen first? Arsenal or Spurs winning the EPL title or the Ducks winning the cup?" I don't know what uh, that question means. Probably Arsenal or Spurs winning the EPL title. To be honest, 
Who are those people? Wow. San Antonio Spurs? Is that what you're talking wow. about? Wow. Um, Daniel Me uh, asked in our, our YouTube chat, so what is going on with looking better this year but uh, getting none of the close wins? You, uh, you do believe we are what our record tells us? Question mark. I don't think the Ducks are a 10 and 18 team on talent on how they've played. I also don't think that how they've played warrants like an amazing record. It's somewhere in between. They've gotten a little unlucky. They've also had some really dumb stretches within games, within periods that have cost them. And, and some also, dumb penalties, yeah. And also, they're just not healthy. Like, I just... It's such a dumb kind of reductionist answer, but, like, I understand that injuries will happen to every team, but for this team, losing Trevor Zegers, losing Mason McTavish is, like, massive. Well, massive, it's not massive, just, massive. It's not just that, like, injuries do happen, but how often does it happen where your two top-line centers get injured? Yeah, right? It, like, it, how, yeah. how often have Austin Matthews... If Austin Matthews and John Tavares both were hurt? Yeah. Like, the Leafs are probably in better shape than the Ducks are Nick, because Nick still Suzuki have, and, like, and uh, Sean Monaghan. Yeah. Yeah, like, I agree. You, you still have William Nylander and Mitch Marner, but, like, that is still a massive hit for any team to lose your top two, like, top two centers or top two players Correct. on your team. Like, if, that is going to cause an impact. And, and just to be clear for everyone who might be raging right now, Jake isn't saying that uh, Trevor Zegers is as good as Austin Matthews. Just that in the yes. in the pecking order of this team, <laughs> correct, correct, they they are very important. And losing them again, the way that this team is built, losing offensive talent up top well, really really hurts. And I think it's a good sign, honestly, that they're in these games even without those players. Because again, it, it's it's a it's a it's a drum that we keep banging. We are the drum bangers of this take. Is that like? They just, as of late, they are just not really generating a lot of offense. It is, it just looks Whoa. like a. It, the Jets it look, game was bad for that. It looks so laborious for them to generate offense, and it's like, I promise you, I'm no, I'm no hockey expert, but it doesn't take Scotty Bowman or a legendary coach to say that once Trevor Zegers and Mason McTavish are back in this lineup, things will look different. If they can continue to play defensively the way that they've played lately. Overall, yeah. like they've had some flaws here and there pop up, but the overall play has been good defensively. Good enough. And then, add, and then add in those players offensively, they're the results will start coming, uh, and really push this team forward. So yeah, there's that. Uh, Jesse four five zero nine said, uh, "Will Jake choose happiness?" And now we're back to shit show questions. To be clear, uh, will Jake choose happiness and trade his Angels cap in for a Dodgers? No, I will not choose happiness. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about the Ducks though is that. You know how you often hear a team, you know, hear about teams saying they have to outscore their defensive woes. I feel like the Ducks are having to outdefend their scoring woes, like because they're so starved for offense and so limited, they have to play such a great, perfect game defensively. And if and if there's any cracks in the armor, their margin for error is like almost zero. So, yeah. Anyway, all right, we'll get through the shit show, and then there's two other questions. So why okay. don't we do that? Okay. Uh, so no, I will not choose happiness and trade in my Angels cap for. By the way, hat. Shohei Otani is officially dead to me. Dead to me. You know, good no. for him. Got got his bag. Got. I mean, all the. I, can someone explain to me how almost every clause of this contract is leaking? It's hilarious. I mean, the latest one about being able to opt out is hilarious. If like if the team president is is fired, he gets to opt out. If if uh, I, if his interpreter gets fired, I respect he gets, it. I mean, look. It came out today. The Giants said they gave every, they gave him everything that the, the Dodgers, you know, offered as well, and he just chose the Dodgers. Like at the end of the day, he was always going to the Dodgers, and that well, makes him dead to me. 
makes I'm him very, to me. I'm very curious if it ever comes out if the Angels offered him the same offer. I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt no, but that that's why it probably was never always I, well, I don't think you can say it was always the Dodgers. Well, okay. We don't know if the Angels offered that also. If the Angels offered him the same contract, do you think he goes to the Angels? Unknown. Come on. Come on. Probably like, not. Come on. I'm no probably baseball. Not. I'm not but, a, I'm not no, I'm not I, a bat, I'm, I'm not a bat head. But I I can tell you that I'm I am not I I will take the pain I and Plant Wrench oh, yeah. even asked in a related note when will the pain stop I don't know I feel bad I feel bad for you guys because it's not fun I don't want to say Shohei did you dirty because hey I don't the 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 Angels did not did not set it up for him to want to stay I don't I have no no ill will at all towards Shohei Otani this all falls on Artie Mayer. Artie Moreno's feet and the fact that he was not able to put together a competitive team throughout the what seven years that Otani and Trout were or have been with the team. It seems like they were never really fully healthy, but also when they were, the team was just too flawed. And so, well, it's because Artie Moreno doesn't invest in fucking anything. So there's that. But uh, but yeah, not a bat head. But I can tell you that he he wanted to he wanted to go to winning culture, winning environment. Yeah, which. Fair, he didn't like want, he, did, he didn't want to leave Southern California. Apparently, that was like a no. big factor. Yeah. I will say the second the people I feel the bat the worst for second worst for the Toronto Blue Jays fans because oh, yeah. they were sold a bill of goods for like a twelve hour window. Yeah, thinking that they had a chance, and that was that was never in play. Clearly, not fair for them. Still funny seeing all the chaos. Funny. With it. I mean, I don't care about the Blue Jays fans, but I do feel a little bad. I feel bad. But it was also hilarious to see all of it with how overconfident everyone. Well, John Morosi is like now a disgraced <laughs> Canadian. You know that because you know he that... works for NHL Network, right? Oh, does he? Yeah, I don't. I don't know who he is, but yeah, he he works for MLB and NHL Network. Yeah, you know that line that that uh, Deflo always uses about you know formerly lauded, now disgraced yeah. or whatever. Like that is John Morosi. Like well, he... JP Hornstra also. Yeah, like a lot of people have just egg all over their faces after that. Yeah. Uh, so. D-Rock said, what's your favorite CTP Discord copy pasta or pasta? I don't know them off I don't the know. top of my head. I, That's not I, a question I, for me. My favorite ones are just where it's just my cat that just walked all over my keyboard while I was yeah, away. True. And then people copy paste that. Uh, Lou said, favorite beer you had at Docent the other night. Ooh. That hazy IPA. That was that really was good. That was so good. Yeah. Shockingly good. So, so good. Like, tropical. Oh, it was so good. I want yeah. more. Uh, Detective Abba said, how does one get out of a maze? Why? Why was... Why? Why was he texting us, <laughs> just, messaging just, us just, from a maze? Just, just just leave it at that. Olaf is berserker said, does Lou need to be investigated for using chat GPT for his bad food takes? They're just so bad that they must be from an AI. Yeah. So... Um, all right. P Blaster said, did you guys see Zegris playing D during the practice? So Felix actually mentioned this already. It was just due to the kind of the guys out there and how it worked out with him being back in practice and not taking regular line rushes. Yeah. Uh, Danielle, me said, uh, can we also have a real conversation about Fowler? He does, uh, doesn't seem solid this year. So many mental errors. I'll let you kind of handle this one. Cause I've kind of said, I think he's been fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I see the point, like he has made uncharacteristic mistakes there have been times where yeah. i am i am kind of wtfing at the screen but i also don't think he's been awful i also think he's playing too much i also think yeah. he's on a, i also think he's on a pairing with a guy who's playing on his off wing and that's just going to hurt the cohesion overall so on balance has he been good enough maybe not maybe not up to expectation but has he been bad either no he's just kind of he- somewhere in that middle 
He's been like a like I think if you had to like equate him to like quality of like a pairing, he's been a second pairing defenseman, which maybe you could say is not good enough based upon the uh, amount that he's being paid, but he's not been had a necessarily a negative impact on this team. Is I yeah. guess the he's not been a liability for this team. No, I don't think so. So I think that's the distinction to make there. Odog eighty one said, "Do you fe- do you guys like cider? If so, what's your favorite? I'll drink it here and there, mm-hmm. but it's not a go to for me." Yeah, there's the one that they sell at all the grocery stores. I forget the name of the there's brand. There's like the, pa- the Pear Golden Cider. State. Oh, I think it's called Golden State Cider, something like that. I'll never forget uh, when I went to Vancouver, they had like a specific cider that they poured over ice. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was like, whatever one, it had its own glass, everything like that. The best cider I think I've ever had, though. Interesting. And I don't remember the brand of it at all. Oh, you'll love this. Gabe Velarde, four points in his He's first good. game back against the Kings. He's good. Yeah, well, I think the like, Kings are doing okay. Get, well, sure, but I think Gabe Velarde is better is going to be better than Pierre Luc Dubois. Mm. Also, can we stop demonizing putting ice in beer? Can we not demonize that? That's why would what? <laughs> Just throwing what? that out there, throwing that out there into okay. the ether. I'll I'll, I'll I'll let Discord come for you. Please don't demonize ice and beer. What if you're on a plane? And you get served this warm ass beer. What are you supposed to do? Just drink it warm, yeah. like, like like the people we, in like the people in the British Isles. No, let let let's let that that simmer and let's get out of here. Okay. Well, on that note, thank you for listening, everyone. This was a blast. Hope I, I wish we had had a better game to talk about. I was really confident that we would with the returners, but that just didn't happen. Sometimes life gives you lemons, but I think that we made sweet lemonade out of it. Not the kind of lemonade that apparently killed someone recently. Have you seen this? What? There was like a teenager or someone died from drinking this lemonade from Panera because it it has like 300 milligrams of caffeine plus like a bunch of sugar plus a bunch of other stuff. Why does it have? Why does lemonade have caffeine? It has a crap ton of, of caffeine and it has a bunch of sugar and it's just like apparently someone died. Yeah. So. Wow. And Anyway. Why Thoughts did I say prayers. that? Why did I say that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we we were given lemons by the hockey gods, and we made lemonade, but not the bad kind. (laughs) So, oh, is it called Energizer Lemonade? That's Appa. Never mind. It can't be true. He's still in a maze. Um, (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. If you want to help support the podcast, there's a few really easy ways for you to do so. The number one, though, check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash crash the pond. For $2 a month, you get access to our... Uh, patrons only discord server it's a lot of fun you can connect with other uh, diehard ducks fans there as salem the black cat joins us on screen she's about to squirm out of your arms very soon there she goes mm-hmm. so that's for two dollars and then for seven fifty eight dollars camera which one you get access to the discord channel plus two bonus podcasts and plus bonus player breakdown videos there's actually one that was just uploaded today olin zellweger this one was a lot of fun. I really like doing the AHL ones. It's also 40 minutes long, which to me is a good thing because you just get a bunch of content. Um, that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. You can also uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already this year and you want to give us a Christmas present or a New Year's present, uh, it would mean a lot to us personally if you just left a review to end the year. It just takes a couple minutes, but we love hearing from you guys and also... It helps the channel grow. You can leave us feedback, subscribe to us on Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel, 
videos up there, podcasts, player breakdowns, everything you need. Find us on Twitter, X slash formerly Twitter, whatever they call it. Uh, on Blue Sky and Threads also. I'm posting more there also now. Are you? I am. Okay. I don't... Yeah. Anyway, I have some thoughts there, but I'll leave those. Um, anyway, also, if you are looking for gift ideas and you have a diehard Ducks fan in your life, go to our website, crashthepond.com slash shop. We have the Anaheim Vibes t-shirt. You can see them on the screen right now. They look great. Uh, I have one. Jake has one. They're awesome. Whoever you're giving them to will love them. And on that note, thank you for listening, everyone. We will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.